I mean, we cannot thank God enough. God has done many of the great things, but there's nothing greater than the gift of life in Christ Jesus. Hello, it's Merry Christmas, my dear good friends. I am sure that uh, wherever you are, you are re rejoicing in the Lord and thanking Him and worshiping Him for His tender mercies, for His goodness, for the love that He has shown to all of us, uh, particularly it, by giving His own Son, Jesus Christ, to this sinful world to die on that cruel cross in order that he might take away our sins. I mean, we cannot thank God enough. God has done many of the great things, but there's nothing greater than the gift of life in Christ Jesus. And so as we celebrate Christmas, let me invite you to join me as we look at the, uh, the Bible, the Word of God, that it might guide us in the way we celebrate Christmas and in the way we live every day of our lives. Shall we pray? We thank you, Lord, for this occasion. Thank you, Lord, for this festive season. The reason for this season, Lord, is Christ Jesus, his birth over 2,000 years ago. And, he, and, 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 and we also celebrate our salvation through his death and resurrection and through the forgiveness of our sins. I pray, Father, that we may understand what uh, the Word of God tells us in order that we might celebrate Christmas in a mean, meaningful manner. Guide us, Lord, as we Look at this word this morning and may it teach us to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's Christmas time. Uh, just a few days um, before the, the day that is generally regarded as the day that when Jesus Christ was born in this world. And it is for a good reason that we celebrate Christmas, even though the actual date may not be known. The point is that we, whether, or the question is whether or not we know who this Jesus is. If we don't, our celebrations, my friends, uh, have no meaning. Now, I want us to tackle this question by asking ourselves, who is man? And we're asking this question in the light. Who is man in the light of what God has done for man, for us? Who am I that God should be so concerned about me? And I trust and I hope and pray that by answering this question, we shall, we, we, shall be, we shall come closer to God and understand his purpose and his plan for our lives. Um, I would like us to read uh, Psalm number eight. 
verses 1 to 9, which is actually the whole psalm. So our reading uh, is drawn from Psalm number 8, the Psalm of David, and this is what David says. O Lord, our Lord, all our master, you know, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly, heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds, and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Praise the Lord God Almighty for the wonderful things he has done for us and for his great promises that are being fulfilled every day in our lives. Who is man is a great question. Or what is man? Or who am I? My friends, have you ever asked yourself this question? Have you ever wondered who you are, what you're doing in this world? Well, if you have, you are not alone. For this is a question which has occupied mankind throughout the world and throughout human history. And a question is a question which is still being asked today even as we speak. And we are going to try and answer this question through the written word of God. The question is, the question is asked and answered in at least two scriptures in the Old Testament. Number one, in the midst of his pain and terrible suffering, Job asked God, who is man that you make so much of him, that you give him so much attention? This Job, Job chapter 7, verse 17. Secondly, Job asks, how then can a man be righteous before God? How can one born of woman be pure? If even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his eyes, how much less man who is but a maggot, a son of man who is only a worm. Now, according to a scripture reading, King David was also puzzled with the whole question of who man is in relation to God and in relation to his wonderful creation. 
from our reading, therefore, then, um, particularly verses 4 to 6, David wonders, What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him, he is actually asking God. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. Just pause for a little while and, 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 and consider. There is the great privilege or the great privileges that God has entrusted to us human beings. Remember the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they had total control over everything subject only to God himself. So there it is, my friends. This is the, we are calling, uh, my topic today is the human paradox. And what I have described is a paradox. Now, what is a paradox? A paradox is a statement or a situation which appears to be absurd or contradictory, but which is actually logical or true. And we shall see this as we go on. Now, Job thinks man is nothing but a worm and a maggot. And, and, and Job has reason, really, for thinking that way. He, or he thinks he has a good reason. Of course, he's suffering. David, on his part, sees man in terms of his high ranking in the order of creation, just below the heavenly beings. Some book, some, in some uh, translations say, just, uh, you know, just lower than the angels. So, God, uh, so, so, so David looks at, uh, at this as man has been created as second in command, below second only to God, you know? And this man is the one and only to whom God has given charge over all his creation from the beginning lost through Adam, recovered in Christ Jesus. That is what we are, Christianity is all about. That's why our salvation, that's what our salvation is all about. That God, what Adam lost in the garden of Eden, it has been recovered through Christ Jesus by his death and his resurrection. And now it belongs to those who belong to Jesus. Now, my friends, it doesn't help things. In fact, it creates more confusion when we go to school and we are taught that, um, you know, the earth exists by way of evolution. And that, that, that man, therefore, is nothing but a product of some evolutionary process and not creation. And so the question lingers, who is man, therefore? Who is man? Who is man from God's own point of view? Now, in the New Testament, Jesus is called Son of Man and Son of God. In the same manner, Christians or those who believe in Christ Jesus are both children of their parents and children of God. In other words, those who are in Christ Jesus 
have two identities, the spiritual and the physical. As such, we are citizens of this world as well as citizens of heaven at the same time. Now, this paradox that we are talking about will be solved if we learn to look at life through God's plan and purpose in creation. And so let's look at that then, man's place in God's plan. As we know, my friends, scientists have attempted to explain how the universe and the different forms of life on earth came into existence. I said they have tried, but they do not tell us why these things came to being. Or even when. Furthermore, they keep on changing their story. In other words, in the past, scientists used to believe you know, the, how the world was, uh, I mean, the world came into existence in a certain way. But over the years, they keep on changing the story, either adding to the original story or reducing, taking away from what they thought they knew about the world. In other words, new discoveries, new information, new knowledge is being discovered about the God's creation. And so it is not surprising then, my friends, that many scientists today, have become Christians. It is not surprising today that these scientists have finally seen the light and have admitted there must be an intelligent personality behind the existence of life on earth. But different cultures and different religions of the world also have their own stories or myths concerning the existence of the world, its origins, where man came from, who is God, and that kind of thing. I believe this is what is causing uh, this paradox. This is why throughout history, man has been asking, who am I? Where do I come from? How did I get here? And, and, and where am I going? Is there any meaning or purpose in life? I mean, you've seen people committing suicide because they don't see any purpose in life or being violent and destructive because they don't see any purpose in life. Now, Gautama Buddha, uh, attempting to answer these questions, came to the conclusion that life is full of evil sorrows and sufferings, and so the wise person must find a way of escaping from this world. The Bible tells a totally different story. The Bible tells us, one, that man has a special place in God's creation. He is not a product. It's not a, a, an advanced monkey, for instance, as the scientists would have it. No man has a special place in God's creation. In the book of Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we are told that the entire creation 
is the work of God, number one. Secondly, that God created man in a special way, for he created man in his own image and likeness, which distinguishes human beings from animals and other creatures. Scientists are totally wrong when they say man evolved from some lower creatures. Genesis 2.7 says that God brought man into life by breathing his own breath into the man's body and he became a living soul. The special nature of man cannot be made clearer than this. Man is truly special in God's sight. For this reason, man lived, at the beginning man lived in the presence of God. Man at the beginning had authority to govern the entire earth and to exercise authority over all created things reporting only to God. Number two, man is like God. Not God, mind you. He, man is like God. The Bible in several places tells us how different man is from God. Okay? So man is not God. He is different. And the Bible does say that. Now, while in other places, the same Bible tells us that in this world, we are like him. And we shall be like him in the next world. This is not to say that we are God or we can be worshipped or we can worship fellow human beings. To be like God simply means that we are able to relate with God and communicate with him in a language both of us understand that is what being created in his image and likeness amounts to. We are able to communicate with God. Not so animals, not so the trees. We are special in God's sight. And then it also means that God is fully revealed in the perfect man, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, he who has seen me, has seen the Father. Amen? Number three, man is like God because he's dependent on, upon him, upon God. From the creation narrative, it is clear that no man, that man has no life of his own. It is clear that man has no life of his own. Therefore, he is totally dependent on God. God has given us life and he keeps us alive and pro provide us with the air that we breathe, the food that we eat, the water that we drink. He provides everything for our existence. Number four, man is like God in this uh, respect as well, that man is made for fellowship with God and with fellow human beings. The Bible reveals that God exists in a community of three persons, the blessed Trinity. Um, 
well, does, the Bible doesn't use the word Trinity, but the, but, but, the, the, but the meaning here is clear, that in the Bible tells us about God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are other heavenly beings as well who are part of the heavenly congregation as we read in, the, in various places in the Bible. Now, so in the same manner, man was created to live in fellowship with God and with the fellow human beings. This plan and purpose of God um, appear, you know, because of Adam's sin, appear to have failed, but it has not. God is still working. Jesus is still working. And this plan, the original plan and purpose of God will be fulfilled at the second coming of Jesus Christ as it is written or revealed in the book of Revelation. Uh, the book of Revelation actually um, shows how things will be at the, at the end of time when God fulfills all his promises and all his plans that he began from the beginning. So, dear friends, this is Christmas season. And we are many people, believers and non-believers, Christians and non-Christians, atheists and, 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 and whatnot, are on holiday. And many of them are celebrating or doing something special, being with family and all that during this Christmas. So my dear friends, this is just to tell us this, that God truly loves us and has wonderful plans for our well-being in this life and in the next. Human sinfulness is the only reason that we are, uh, the only reason why we are living separate from God. It is the only reason that we are separated from God and not living, you know, in fellowship with Him according to His eternal plan and purpose, which is revealed in the very chapter one of, 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 the, of the Bible. Although those who are in Christ are God's children and citizens of heaven, we have to live here on earth for a while, or at least until the day when God will take all his children home where they belong, our eternal home. So it is for this specific reason and purpose that Jesus was born in our world uh, slightly over 2,000 years ago. Jesus himself said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. You know, if it, it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And when it is done, I'll come back and I'll take you there so that where you are, where I am, you might be also. This is the promise of eternity with Jesus Christ. My friends, Christmas celebration, in other words, as we celebrate Christmas, should actually take all these things into account. I mean, we should understand, we should celebrate Christmas from a point of knowledge, not ignorance. Not for celebration sake. We should not go, take this holiday just for the sake of having a holiday. 
there's a good reason for Christmas. And it all starts from Genesis. What God began in Genesis is what we're celebrating in Christmas. Jesus achieved these great things for us through his birth on the first Christmas day, 2000 years ago, through his life and ministry here on earth, and through his death and resurrection. And he'll complete everything that has been promised and has been planned at his second coming, as we have already noted. But dear friends, Christmas cannot make any sense to anybody or to attenuate to those who do not believe in Jesus. You are welcome to eat and drink and make merry, but your celebration is meaningless without Jesus. Many of us are celebrating Jesus. They don't realize they are celebrating Jesus' birthday. And the question has always been, how can you celebrate the, the birthday of a child you don't know, who is not even there? We celebrate Jesus because we know him, because he's in our heart, because we have been, unite, we have been united with him through the Holy Spirit and through the forgiveness of our sins. My friend, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and everyone who admits they have sinned and ask for his forgiveness are forgiven instantly and the blood that he shed on the cross as the Lamb of God purifies us from all sins. Then we become a member of God's family eternally. What God has done for you Nobody can ever change. Nobody can ever take it, away, take it away. Therefore, allow me to ask you this as a challenge, my friend. Are you born again? Do you know Jesus personally? Is he your Savior and Lord? Then make sure as we begin to celebrate Christmas, as we invite others to celebrate with you, that you have invited Christ first and foremost, before everybody else, invite Jesus into your life. Then your celebration will have the meaning, the purpose that it, that it, it carries. And may God bless you. May God change your heart towards him. May you be humbled enough to receive him right now as your Lord and our Savior. May God give you his love and his love and his, his, his blessing during this Christmas. Merry Christmas. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for reminding us who we are in Christ Jesus. Who is man? Our special place in God's own heart, in God's creation. Help us, Father, to stand up for Jesus in his strength alone and to realize that the gift of Christmas is a gift of God's Son who came into our world in order to take away our sins. Let those who hear this message give their hearts to you, O God, as a special Christmas gift. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.